Today on the show, I'm so excited to have my friend Maylin Freeman all the way from South Korea in studio today. And today we talk a lot about what does it mean to be a third culture adult, a third culture kid, and how that has impacted our lives and relationships. Maylin shares about her experiences working in a leper colony in Madagascar and teaching in South Korea and teaching in China, and how she has created an environment with her students and family on wonder and curiosity about the world and how to have a healthy worldview and experience of others and cultures. She also shares what it means to lose both her parents and how that has impacted her today. You're not going to want to miss this show. So good to have you here in the studio with me, all the way from South Korea. Um, Hi. So good to have you. Um, I can't believe how long we've been friends for. How how long has it been now? It's beautiful. Um, definitely over 25 years. Yeah, I can't believe right? it. 27, 28 maybe. <laughs> you know, my dad has A always said, time. yeah, that the days are long, but the years are short. And I think that's kind of like with our friendship. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important. I think that can be a whole other show about longevity and friendship because a lot of people I don't think have friendships like what we've had for so long. Definitely. It's amazing. And mm-hmm. I say it to my kids as we travel around the world that those friendships that you make that you have a strong connection with, those will stay for life. Mm-hmm. And you'll connect with those people and it will be beautiful to see how your friendship grows mm-hmm. and the choices that you make yeah. and where you end up. Yeah. And I think that for us too, I mean we met through, you know, the same church. And so I think that's really neat, sort of like our own faith story and our journey has a lot to do with it. Even though I only see you like once a year mm-hmm. when you kind of come back to Canada, uh, it's just like we, we just pick off, yeah. you know, pick up where it's we like left no off. Time of past. I know. Yeah. But definitely you have to come back next year and we'll do a story <laughs> on friendship. Um, you know, in my intro, um, I, I said that you were a third culture adult. And I've been hearing a lot about that, you know, in on blogs and in in sort of society that people are saying that a lot more. Explain that to me because I think that's a really interesting concept. So by definition, a third culture kid, I mean, the definition kind of has been thrown around quite a bit. Um, But by definition, it's people who have been raised in their childhood in a culture different than their parents, so different than their passport. And so for me, and I think you would fall into the same category. Mm. For me, my mom is from India. My dad is from China. They met and grew most of their life in England. So when I was born, I was born with a British passport, Mm -hmm. but obviously born in Canada, born and raised in Canada. Mm -hmm. And so what that brings, and there's lots of books out there for anyone who is a third culture um, kid, a third culture adult. Um, David Pollack and Ruth Fenriken um, write a really great book just about what does it mean to be Mm -hmm. a third culture kid and... Um, one of the biggest challenges, I think, and opportunities is with identity, Mm -hmm. right? And so growing up in Lorne Park in Mm -hmm. a very affluent community where we were pretty much other than you, young Asians (laughs) in the community. (laughs) Yeah, we were. Grew up with a lot of confusion Mm -hmm. and trying, I think for myself, always trying to figure out where do I fit in? I'm not Mm -hmm. Chinese. I'm not Indian. I'm not really Canadian. I'm not British. Where do I fit in, right? And so challenges, but then also the beauty that brings in cultivating a curiosity Mm -hmm. to see the world and see other cultures and do I fit in somewhere else? 
May, how does that work? Because there's there's choices along that way. Because I know that for you know third culture kids, you can either be upset, have an identity crisis, become depressed, act out because of it, or you can choose to say, "How unique am I that I have all of these experiences and all of these cultures and ethnicities in me and, and experiences I can grow from?" Mm-hmm. How you know, as someone listening, how do you make that choice to? to identify that it's a good thing, yeah. that you're from all over and, and you know, you, you come from many cultures. And that's it. It's challenging. And mm-hmm. I think it's challenging enough just growing up as an adolescent, <laughs> right. right? Yes, as a absolutely. female adolescent. Mm-hmm. And wherever you grow up, there's going to be challenges in society. A lot of it has to do with your parents and your upbringing and the mm-hmm. values that they instill in you. Um, we had the benefit of growing up in a Christian home, mm-hmm. right, where your beauty and your uniqueness and that we're all made as a gift of God really shines through, Yeah. right? And so always encouraged to kind of figure out who you are and Mm -hmm. that who you are is a unique being, not someone, and that all of us are unique, Mm -hmm. right? And those differences are really important and beautiful, Yeah. right? And I think also friendships, of course, right? Friends that you can ask those questions to and really discover together. And then education, is huge, mm-hmm. right? And so we're living in South Korea, right, in an international school. And I think that everyone, all the kids that are in that school, well, not all, but the majority of them are third culture kids. Mm-hmm. The majority of them are expats yeah. living in a country where they're not from. And so the beauty of that is they're more open to talking about those differences. Yeah. And I think all of that just helps. Yeah, right? I think that's important. I think. You know, I think one of my struggles when I was growing up and, you know, you saw this in me going through high school is that, you know, rather than I think see that I was unique and had something to add, Mm -hmm. you know, to my experience in high school or to society, I kind of looked at how I was different. And that's a mindset, right? It's like I can either look like I'm different and this pariah and I don't fit in or I can kind of find my place and kind of like reframe that actually I have something different to add to the story, to the narrative here. Absolutely. But in high school, you're not thinking I know, and that's the thing. You can say that now. We can say that now. You just want to fit in. You want (laughs) to belong, and you just want to fit in, which is a lot of people in society as well, Yeah. right? And it's all about being part of a community and feeling like you belong. Yeah. In high school, I didn't want to be Asian Mm -hmm. visibly, right? Mm -hmm. You just kind of stood out. Of the oh, crowd. yeah, totally. And I didn't want to learn Mandarin or Hindi or any other. <laughs> yeah, language. and I never wanted to learn Tagalog at all. I'm like, I'm Canadian. I'm just English. Canadian, <laughs> yes, it's all about English. It, totally. Yeah. Well, as now, my kids, because they've traveled, they are excited to learn new languages. Yeah. They're excited about the Chinese that's in them, mm-hmm. even though they don't think they visibly look, mm-hmm. obviously not as Chinese as me. Um, they're excited yeah. by their differences. And the challenge to learn a new language. I love that. I love that you can now instill that, you know, with your kids. I think, you know, Canada, since I came in 1986, has definitely changed in the landscape of with immigration and and multiculturalism and, and the more of acceptance. But when we grew up in the community we did, I mean, you're right. I was like one of only two brown kids in my, you know, grade eight class. And people would come up to me and go, do you speak English? And I'm like, we're... Where are you from? Like from space? Why are you? Talking? Where are you from? And I would be like, "What? I've lived like all over the world. I went to international yeah. school in Singapore and in the Philippines. I had all experiences of like 
Canadian culture and you're asking me if I speak English and if I like McDonald's. <laughs> like it was so I mean I I I joke about that, but those were some hard years. It's it really hard to kind of like fit in and and find my place, but I am thankful. I think you know, I think for my own faith and understanding um, you know, who I belong to and God and how he sees me, but also definitely church community and yes. my parents. Yeah. That's a huge thing. My parents always having to talk, 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 talk to see mm-hmm. where I'm at. You know, that's good. And uh, again, that I'm so glad that we got through that. <laughs> yes. Right? And we got through it together. And we got through it together. So many stories. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Let's talk about, you know, you're in South Korea now as an educator, but I want to find out a little bit about the background of your story um, and how you got to this place. Because you're like a world right. traveler. I think for um, some of us, it's like, oh, I wish I could be like May, and other people are like, no way, that's just, Mm -hmm. that's so risky. But let's talk going back where that sort of travel bug came and how, you know, you sort of developed and brought it into your own family now on on travel and and a worldview. Yeah, so my first time abroad, and as I said, growing up, right, Mm -hmm. I was always curious to see the world, Um, which is also another story, Mm -hmm. family, and I have siblings, right? And I'm the only one that's abroad. But anyhow, that's another Mm -hmm. story. So my first time abroad was Madagascar Mm -hmm. 20 years ago. Wow. Signed up for this Youth Canada project. 20 of us flew into Madagascar, and all of us with different backgrounds. Um, And my background is in microbiology, and so I went – to learn and share and exchange ideas with the local people about their healthcare system and public health and how can we um, learn from them the same way what can they learn from us Mm -hmm. coming from somewhere that's more developed, Mm -hmm. right? And it was a beautiful opportunity to um, step out of my comfort zone, always been in Canada, and I'm 24, Mm -hmm. right? So really haven't been exposed to anything but Canadian. And being forced to just have a blank slate and find myself as well as see how um, I can influence others and others can influence me. Mm -hmm. And so I spent part of my time just searching for different hospitals and medical people to connect with, as well as just learning about how they manage their healthcare. Mm -hmm. And so most of my time was spent in a hospital where there was a leper colony attached wow. to the hospital. I didn't even know that leprosy still really existed. I no, thought that was something that, that was finished with. Like in, in biblical times, you hear about leprosy, yeah. but thought that had been sort of, you know, eradicated. Absolutely. Same with me. I, all of these diseases I saw in Madagascar were textbook, things I only read in a book. Hmm. And leprosy is eradicated. But there in Madagascar, it was just um, the people, even though they no longer were contagious— their limbs, they didn't have limbs because wow. of suffering from leprosy. And so they were shunned and ostracized from society. So they were living in a community together where the only people that would show care for them and provide food for them was the hospital next door. And I found a huge need just to befriend these people, um, as well as at the hospital, the clinic, every morning there would be a lineup of over 400 people wanting their blood tested for various diseases. And there was one guy in the lab working on his own. Wow. So we were just like, well, this doesn't make sense. They would get through maybe, you know, a a quarter or an eighth of the lineup and everyone else would have to go home, right? So 
we were there to help with testing. Mm -hmm. And they're just, um, because it's a very, very poor country, um, and um, people are malnourished, Mm -hmm. and they don't have a lot of medicines, there are a lot of diseases. Wow, I didn't even know. I mean, I think, again, when you're sort of cloistered in, mm-hmm. a, in a country like Canada with healthcare and things, and, and you see it on the, on the news or you see the ads on, you know, helping a country, but I don't think we really realize just the gravity, like the how big these things are and what we take for granted. Mm-hmm, exactly. You know what I mean? Like you would never know. Um, what did that do to you, May, that, that sense of like there's great need and – I'm in a situation where I'm out of Canada sort of for the first time and confronted mm-hmm. with this. What did that do to you? It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. The people there, um, Madagascar is a very unique place compared to other places in Africa. And the people there are just beautiful. Mm-hmm. They haven't been through war. They haven't been exposed to anywhere but where they're from. Mm-hmm. The opportunity to leave this island is rare. Um, and so they're just deep down very peaceful and happy people. Hmm. Right, running around with very little, mm-hmm. right? So materialistically, that opened my eyes to, wow, we have so much, mm-hmm. and we take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, the ease of healthcare in Canada, yeah. right? That is so easy for us to complain about, mm-hmm. right? And then just the whole experience of learning and exchanging ideas from another culture, that here we came in thinking that, oh, we're going to come in and help all these poor people. But in return, it was actually us that took more and mm-hmm. learned more from them than they yeah. did from us. And it was just that simplicity of life mm-hmm. and that love of life that we lose yeah. here. Just there's so many distractions. And what I took away from that is that everyone needs to experience this. This is just, it just blew my mind mm-hmm. in ways that you can't read in a book, that you can't experience in Canada that I just thought, how can we make this happen? So meaning people? so meaning experience going overseas or experience helping those in need? Maybe both. Maybe both. Yeah. Just being exposed to yeah. a culture that is completely different yeah. than our own. To appreciate your own more, but then to have that open mindedness of the world. Yeah. And that the world is so big and there are there's so much beauty. Now, before we get into that, I want to talk about what that then kind of like sort of launched you into what you're doing. While you were there, though, you got really sick. Talk to me about that, because I remember that phone call or that email about what was happening to you over there. Yeah, which is also technology was (laughs) limited at that time. So, yes, so we're there in this very hot, humid, um, wet environment, Mm -hmm. right, where there are bugs, and mm. there are mosquitoes, and mm-hmm. there are bed bugs. And for some reason, I've got this sweet, sweet blood that I get bitten, right? <laughs> yeah. And even here, Me I get too. bitten. I do, too. I get yeah. bitten a lot And as so well. you scratch, and you itch, and the wounds don't heal because it's so wet and humid. And so you're walking around with a lot of open wounds together with a lot of flies mm. and a lot of garbage mm-hmm. everywhere, right? And so the flies are around, and the flies are landing on you, and there's Ugh. this constant... Um, ecosystem that's going on mm-hmm. where you're living with outdoors pretty much because we were in these bamboo huts mm-hmm. with no windows or doors like we have and there's sand everywhere so the level of cleanliness is low mm-hmm. and so my wounds one of my open wounds got infected 
on my ankle and it just expanded, mm. right? And it just, um, my leg was swollen, like double the size. I remember people coming and poking and the, the handprints that they could make would stay no. because there was so much fluid inside me and then obviously had a huge high fever. And so um, Jay Godsell, the um, founder of the organization, came, like arrived and was just like, I was lying in my hut, just kind of like withering away. Mm -hmm. There was a local man who was sharpening a stick and he was ready to do some sort of home remedy (laughs) on my (laughs) ankle. And so he put me in a taxi and we went off to a French doctor that he knew was down, down the way. And that's when he diagnosed that she's got flesh-eating disease. She had flesh-eating disease. Yeah. So I just, you could have died. I could have died. Definitely. So what happened? Because usually, isn't in flesh-eating disease you have to cut off a limb, or is that extreme? Like, how did you survive that? Antibiotics. Really? Yeah. He gave me tons of antibiotics. Um, lifted my leg up, and um, we prayed. How long were you yeah. out so for? It was probably. Yeah, that I don't remember timing because it was all a bit of a blur. Um, but probably a good month before I could actually walk again. Did you think you were going to die? Um, I don't know that dying was actually in my mind. But you were just thinking, I have flesh-eating disease yeah. and it's eating my leg. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be extreme, but I just, it's so, it seems so out there. But I've also heard people that have had it and it has And they ended. lose limbs. They yeah. lose limbs. Yeah, you do. You hear wow. the stories, but those stories weren't coming to me. There was a bit of like, because I'm a microbiologist, so there was a bit of fascination with the whole thing happening. Yeah. I was also trying to learn from the local people about their traditional medicine yeah. and their practices. And so it was kind of like, oh, well, this is happening to me. <laughs> I can and actually like look at myself and <laughs> yes. diagnose myself and help myself. So, you know, for many people may, something like that would be like, I'm never traveling again. Yes. That is like danger. I will never, ever go to a place where there's mosquitoes. <laughs> Mosquitoes, flies, or anything. Yeah, you come back to Canada. Do you know after that? Yeah. What then stirs you to say, "I want to continue to travel and see this world"? What is it that has ignited you, even though you went somewhere and you possibly could have almost died? Yeah. Well, I survived. Yeah. And after that, you know, I continued to work with these beautiful people, and it just instilled a travel bug. People mm-hmm. talk about, you know, they're. They get this bug inside them, this itch to just see more. Mm -hmm. And going back to third culture kids, there's this pattern that some people um, have noticed with third culture kids that every two to four years, they get this itch to Mm. move. And whether it's within their own community or within something, they're just itching for change. And that's Mm. definitely me, right? So for many years, I didn't leave Canada, right? I traveled in Europe and I did little short excursions, but I traveled, I moved across Canada, mm-hmm. right? And um, and then when I got married, we moved homes every two years or something big. And then we had children. And so something big happened every two or three years huh. that um, when you look back, I kind of am like, well, yeah. It's like a pattern yeah. of you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're married, you have kids, and then you decide to make a decision to move your entire family to Asia. Yeah. 
Okay, so for a lot of people, you're like, that's crazy. <laughs> um, the comforts of, you know, North America are comfortable. It's, yeah. it's predictable. It's reliable. It's secure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's safe from what we know. It's it's near our family. There's, there's a lot of sort of that cloistering of safety. But you and your husband, Matt, decided let's, let's uproot our young kids and just go go to Asia and sort of like risk it and go. Yeah. Why and 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 how come? <laughs> yeah. Well, along the way, a lot of things happened. Um, Matt and I. A big reason we fell in love was our both of our desires to travel mm-hmm. and see the world. And we researched a lot when we first got married, and it seemed like this was something we needed to do when, later in life when our kids were. And a lot older. of people think that they're yeah. like, "We'll just try when we get retire, whatever. When the yeah. kids are out of school, we'll then travel. We'll yeah. save up, and then we'll just do our thing." Mm-hmm that it didn't really fit. Yeah. With, it couldn't really work with where we were at that yeah. point. And um, so we just kind of went with that. And then in 2008, we took our first two kids, Maya was four, Summer was one, to um, Thailand with a group of friends for three weeks and loved it, absolutely loved it. Everyone around us, Thai people loved our children. Our children were adaptable. The food was wonderful. We were going in and out of islands and on boats and all Mm. sorts of transportation. Um, And that was challenging to a degree, but it was also like an adventure as a family and with all of our friends. Um, But we met international teachers while we Mm. were traveling. Mm -hmm. And families that were working at international schools in Thailand and there was a pattern there that everywhere we stopped, we either met a teacher or a family who were teaching. Mm-hmm. And they told us how to get involved. And they told us how easy it was and kind of the process. And because our kids, we saw that our kids, well, why do we have to wait till they're older? They're loving <laughs> right. it right now, mm-hmm. right? That um, we came back from that trip just researching more into mm-hmm. how can we become international educators. My husband was a teacher at the time. And so for him, it was a pretty easy thing. I was working at Pfizer, Mm. so in sales and marketing, so Mm. not any connection at all. You know, May, it's interesting how we forget that there's this whole other world of expats Mm -hmm. and people that are living overseas and having a great life and experiencing great things. And I think it's a balance because there's some people who are like, that's not for me. Mm -hmm. I know there's others who are like, I want that to be for me, but there's all these things that are saying no. Yeah. And then there's other people who are like, we just want to do it, but we're waiting for the right time. And yet, you know, I think for both of us, I mean, the world is big. There's so much to explore. And and I've heard friends say, yeah, but I'm not an explorer. So, Mm -hmm. yes, but I think that there's a danger when we only think the world is just this. Right? And we're not looking beyond the borders to say, you know, God created this world to to know and explore. And if you don't physically go there, then know it, read Mm -hmm. about it, find ways through school or exchange or saving to go see more than just, you know, your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Because I think there's such benefit in connecting with people, obviously, of other cultures. Now, people say, but Melinda, you know, Toronto and a lot of the major cities now are our world because they're coming to us. Mm -hmm. And I agree. But there's something also for us to go out into other people's cultures and experience it. Absolutely. Right? Versus, I mean, yes, we can experience culture and friendship and relationship you know, in 
you know, breaking bread in over dinner for sure. And I think that's a major thing that we need to do and look for people that are different. But I also think, you know, as someone who's lived overseas, to go at least once in your life or mm-hmm. experience it is tremendous and yes. it's life-changing. And that's it. Exactly. Right? There's one thing to go travel, right? And yeah. be a tourist and travel. And there's one thing to actually like step into a culture and immerse yourself and be part of it and yeah. see how they live. Right. And the beautiful thing about when we do come back to Canada every year is that we notice the diversity mm-hmm. in people. Mm-hmm. Right. We've lived in China. We've lived in Korea. And there are just masses of Asian people everywhere. Right. And within that the Asian people, there's diversity as well. Yeah. Right? But it's um, Canada is a beautiful place mm-hmm. to have the diversity here. Right? But there is something to be said about experiencing living in another culture, living yeah. in another place, where there are other expats doing the same thing. Talk to me about living in South Korea. For a lot of us here in North America, it's like, you know, we've heard, we hear North Korea, we hear about stuff in North Korea, but we don't really know about Korea much. I mean, there's some people who do, they've got friends, but for a lot of us, it's like, oh, what's what's South Korea like? What's it like living there and the experience for you and your family? South Give us a bit Korea of a snapshot. a beautiful place, even though there is, as you say, everything above the border. Um, the country itself, they have done so much for their people compared to other Asian countries. Japan as well, right? They're very developed, very progressive, and it's a very clean and safe country to live in. Mm-hmm. The people are, they have a very quiet language. Um, they're quite reserved as a culture. Um, but there is a beauty in that it is like the number one growing Christian nation in the world. Wow. And really? so you, when you look at the landscape as you drive in from the airport, there are just crosses everywhere. And the billboards, like our kids see billboards here, right? Yeah. When with all the advertising, the billboards say things like Jesus loves you. <laughs> wow. God is risen. Mm-hmm. Like those are the billboards <laughs> you see. And you just think, where are we? Right? Yeah. Like, where is this place? Why do you think that is? Why do you think South Korea has this resurgence because I mean I wouldn't even have known that I, I would think maybe the Philippines or a South American country but I've actually heard that that the church in South Korea is just growing yeah and I, and I don't know I mean maybe there's some kind of like revival or some renewal thing happening yeah. there the people are obviously searching yeah right and mm-hmm. I think a place where it has been stricken by war mm-hmm. and there is this fear of what's across the border that the people are mm-hmm. in a place where they're really searching and this surge of Christianity is young, right? And this surge of growth economically is young. Mm. Like I would say maybe in the last 20, 30 years, mm. right? And so it, missionaries came in, right, to, to a place that in, of, in need. And the people were just open to mm, receive. Amazing. Yeah. Like congregations are 30,000. That's a crazy. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I've been hearing some really great things about that. And I think that it's important for those in North America to, again, read and listen to what's happening in the world. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, again, even within the Christian culture, we're always like, look what's happening here in our church and our mega churches and what and these people. And meanwhile, outside of North America, there are tremendous revival and renewal and things happening mm-hmm. all over the world that 
somehow we miss and we're not interested in. And I guess, you know, why I'm so glad you're here is that trying to encourage people to have this worldview that, you know, God created and made this world and this beautiful world of people and places. And I think we miss out when we have such a limited view of just this is us. This is 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 just how it is, is, Mm -hmm. right? What are you teaching um, your kids about the world and how to interact within with people and culture and things? What's been sort of the sort of the number one, two sort of learnings that you're giving to them? Um, Really big for us, I think, and all of it comes from your own upbringing and your own experience. Number one is love. Mm-hmm. Right, and just to love themselves, mm-hmm. who they are, and really getting to know who they are, what they're interested in, what are their passions, and to be bold enough to explore that mm-hmm. and experience it and um, and find out right what yeah. makes you curious. And then once you really know and understand yourself, then love other people. Go yeah. out there and meet other people and find out who they are and what gets them ticking mm-hmm. and gets them moving and excited Mm -hmm. and that everyone has that in their essence everyone has that beauty to share that love to share Mm -hmm. and um, I think those are hugely important Mm -hmm. as um, as they grow up and as they explore the world and that the world is it is a big world and there's so much beauty but it isn't hard to do yeah like we have a map on our kitchen table and every meal we're looking and curious oh where can we go what happens there? Mm-hmm. What animals live here? You know, and what are the people? Where have we been? Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a great conversation yeah. to have, to be open about different cultures, different places in the world. And we know our roots are in Canada. Our kids are very proud to be Canadian when anyone asks us <laughs> where we're from. Yeah. Um, and so they're true to their own identity and proud to share that, but at the same time very open. You know what fascinates me, May, is that now as Gen Xers, mm-hmm. when we were young in our 20s, it was like, oh, yeah, we're going to see the world and yeah. we're going to make our way and, and make our own rules. And now as Gen Xers with kids, it's like all those things that we loved and wanted for ourselves, it's like now we have an opportunity to instill that into our children. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I'm seeing that a lot within my own friends that that was their priority and they're wanting their kids to experience that too. But it does take some intentionality and work and some courage, Absolutely. Yeah. you know, because not everybody is, you know, a lot of times you're just like, I don't, it's such a hassle bringing your kids to another country or the cost. But if it's a priority or something that you want, then you're going to save and you're going to suck it up. And if mm-hmm. your kid cries on, you know, the flight, we're, you're going to still do it, you know. <laughs> and because I think it's important for, you know, kids to see the world. I mean, with Nathan and Sophie, we haven't brought them overseas. But one of the things that we can do right now is that we take them most weekends to try a new cultural experience and food. So we go somewhere mm-hmm. where they're the only, like, white people <laughs> And they have to try food. And they can't not like it until they try it when they don't like it. Yeah. And they have to try to, you know, say the food and the words. And we walk through markets and they have to look at stuff and pick stuff up. And so if you're like, well, I don't have the money to do it, there's creative ways for you to, you know, help your kids experience the world where we are. Absolutely. And, you know, then save if you can, you know, for, you know, a few years to go somewhere. Yeah. Right? Because I think it is really important. I think how I am as a person 
And yes, I was adopted in the Philippines, so I had that start. But Mm -hmm. my parents were, you know, every weekend we would travel. Or my dad would be like, you know, if we're coming back to Canada, because my mom and dad are Canadian, we would go through Europe. We'd go through Asia. And my dad would be like, let's experience this. Let's see this. And when I first came to Canada, the first thing my dad was like, hey, on the docket, you know, we're in the, this great city of Toronto, so we're going to go to the CN Tower, we're going to go to Niagara Falls, we're going to experience <laughs> where we are. And I remember going into grade eight, and I people would ask, like, you know, where have you been? And I'd tell them, and some of the kids hadn't even been to Niagara Falls. And they'd lived in Canada all their yes. life. And I'm like, what? When we haven't been to Niagara Falls? That was like the second day we arrived here. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, it's here. So we didn't think. And I'm like, it's, I think, trying to formulate a curiosity yeah in ourselves and wonder yes. um, of the world that I think keeps people creative. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and accepting. So important, which I love. That's why I love being an educator. Yeah. And as a curriculum coordinator, I am providing that wonder mm-hmm. and fostering that curiosity um, in our teachers yeah. as teachers, but then also encouraging them to do that in their students. Right. Right. Because all of us are learning and growing. And I think it's um, important to have that mindset that this isn't fixed, Yeah, what we have, but we're here to grow. We're here to learn at any age, mm-hmm. right? And it can happen in our back door or yeah. it can happen on the other side of the world. It's just a question of making it happen. Now, you talk about your mom and your dad, and, you know, we've been through a lot with them. And I, mm-hmm. I love that your mom and dad sort of instilled that in you, you know, and Unfortunately, you know, your parents aren't here to see, you know, what, you know, you're doing now, mm-hmm. except I think they do see. Yeah. <laughs> They're looking down, um, seeing you. But I want to talk about that. I think, you know, one of the things about, you know, our lives as we get older is transition and change. And mm-hmm. so whether you're traveling overseas, you're making choices, but it's also, I think, the sense of getting older and your parents getting older. And so I just want to talk to you. We've never really talked about this, really, but just the sense of, I mean, losing both your mom and dad over mm-hmm. the past years. And has that impacted some of the decisions you've made? And and I think just some encouragement for those who have, which is interesting, in the past year or two, I've had two or three friends lose both their parents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're sitting here going, wait, I feel like I'm still 19 years old. Right. How can I have both my parents gone? Yeah. What's been the process for you, May, on all this? Um, so it's definitely been a journey. Mm-hmm. I was 25, as you know, when yeah. my mom passed away. So it was a long time ago. I had just come back from Madagascar on top of the world, right? Like yeah. this experience where everything I learned in university, everything that was in me, I was able to provide with my own two hands, Mm. experience what it's like, right? And so I remember coming back and saying to my mom, I could die tomorrow, Mm. and I would be so fulfilled, right? Because God has given me the skills and the knowledge that I was able to just do, Mm -hmm. right? And then I received so much from these beautiful people. And I remember my mom saying, that's what it was like for me living in India. And here I am in Canada, and this is for you. Hmm. It's okay. So beautiful, mm-hmm. right? And there isn't. It's okay. <laughs> there isn't a day that goes by that I don't think of them. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it was. It was tough for us. And I think it was, 
you know, as we get older, it's, and, you know, as we become parents, you realize how fragile life is. And, you know, I think that's part of this, where I see in you, you know, sort of the strength and courage to give all you can to your kids and and to be that parent that gives these opportunities to your kids because you just never know. And I think that, I mean, I know your parents, and they sacrificed a lot for you guys. They really did. And I think that part of the sacrifice of a parent to give your kids all that you can mm-hmm. has is has been instilled in you. And even seeing it, I mean, you know, you were, your family is part of our church community. And so we saw and witnessed, you know, my parents, your parents, parents who sacrificed and gave to their kids and gave all they could so we could have a great life. Mm-hmm. And I think there's part of that may in us to say that's what we want for ourselves and for our own families. You know, I think what a beautiful thing to hear from your mom. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing she used to always say was whatever you put your mind to, you can do. And so from her, from a young age, this whole idea of mindset and being mindful of what you do and how powerful your mind is was constantly being encouraged and instilled in me. And even though my mom left at a young age, all of those learnings remained, right? And, you know, my parents were very strong Christian parents. And my mom spent hours in prayer. Yes, I remember that. Right. She would just close the door, and she was just a very gentle, spirited Christian lady yeah. that was just beautiful, yeah. right? And then, and so it was my dad, who my dad I wasn't really close to growing mm-hmm. up. My dad was the breadwinner of the family, and he traveled a oh, lot. Yeah, I remember that. Right? And so that also, you know, got me curious. He's going to all these places. Of course, he was going to places in Europe and Alaska and places because he was an engineer and expanding um, pipelines. Um, but all of a sudden, our mom was gone, who was like the hub, the rock of our family. And here is my dad, who really didn't have a lot of maternal characteristics. Yeah. But he is what gave me strength. He was my constant encourager and supporter Mm -hmm. and very charismatic in his own way and taught me the importance of joy and the importance of smiling Mm -hmm. and the importance of um, people and interacting with people and getting them to laugh, right? And just... um, Yes, your dad was always jovial and full of life and... Gave great hugs. Yeah, I remember, yes. He was had much more of a stronger presence than mm. my mom. And so they brought a definite balance, mm. right, to the family. And he just, he brought us strength. And so with my dad passing, it was different. It was um, 2014. Mm. So I was older, right? With my mom, it was painful because I was just starting. Yeah. Right, starting my life. I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. And it was just at that time where I was ready to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um and with my dad, it was more a lot. I realized a lot of what I did within my life was to make him proud. Mm-hmm. And so when he was gone, I was like, well, who am I doing this for? <laughs> and so that was powerful. Yeah. And it was powerful for me to be able to live in China and to have an understanding of who he is, who he was, um, that I'd never really understood, that mm-hmm. I never really got to know because... I didn't want to, right, mm-hmm. growing up in Canada. And um, 
and then I would see other people that were like him, and I'd just be like, well, that's that's where it comes from. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's why he's so crazy. <laughs> you know, May, as we sit here, it's amazing just, I think, again, you know, our parents were our age that they, we are now, yeah. and they were just trying the best they could as parents. You know, like you just, I start thinking through a lot about what we've taken from family and parents and the good and the bad. I mean, mm-hmm. some people's experiences have been horrible. Others have been great. But as I get older, I realize there are some, there's good things I can take from it and things I can say I don't want to be that. They tried their best. They were broken. They were like, you know, and then you – you know, you go maybe through Christian counseling to help you get through some other <laughs> stuff. But then as a parent now, as a stepmom, you know, it's like you realize how important it is, you know, your values and what you say and what you inspire in a kid. I, I, I think I didn't realize that until, you know, I married Chris and I have these kids now because they listen to you. Yes. They watch you and everything you do matters. Yeah. Like modeling your life and what you say and what you do, they're watching. Yes. And I, it's it's an amazing, awesome responsibility. It's terrifying. It is. And I, I now think my parents are probably terrified too <laughs> because I can't believe now I look at my parents. I'm like, oh, my goodness, you were my age once and you were looking at us going, mm-hmm. how the heck do we parent? Because <laughs> now I'm at that stage, yes. right? And so it's beautiful. It is. And and it is. so right. Everything we do kids are little sponges and you are their role model you are what they're following and what they're observing and you are their world for a huge part of their life yeah and that was a huge reason I switched careers I was working at Pfizer yeah right Pfizer Canada and I was there for 10 years and it was a great job Um, but the moment Maya became old enough where I saw in her that I didn't want this to be the role model um, for her. Ethically, it just didn't fit who I was as a person, and I knew there was more out there yeah. for me. And um, I didn't know it was going to be teaching, mm-hmm. but I knew that our path and journey in Canada with a house and a car and all of these things and materialistic things was not what fit with us. And so we decided to move. We decided, let's go. Let's go abroad and see what happens. I think that, um, you know, as as a woman in my certain age demographic, <laughs> I should just say it. I don't know why I don't say it. But I think, you know, May, I'm really inspired by you. I think, you know, it takes a lot. I think, you know, I haven't lost both my parents yet, but I think when that happens, it's going to be a big, you know, moment of kind of looking back and going, oh, my goodness, you know, and trying to remember all those things that – they've said to me to help me. And I think when you look at it that way, for those that still have their parents, you get to a place of much grace must mm-hmm. be extended. And because, again, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. You mm-hmm. never know how long we'll be here. And and leaving Earth, it, it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. We're all going to leave. We're all going to pass away. Um, but how are you going to make the most of your life? Mm-hmm. And and what's going to be your priority and focus? And I think in just listening to you, it's been, you know, there's this deep, you know, deep faith in God that has sustained both of us. It's looked different. And we both kind of were like, we're away from God. We're here with him. He's always there. Um, I think, you know, what I'm hearing from you is just this deep, you know, love for ourselves and for others. Mm-hmm. 
you know, cultivating curiosity, whether you're teaching at the school that you are in South Korea or, or with your family. But mm-hmm. I think that wonder and curiosity is something that I hope, you know, our viewers and listeners are reminded of that, you know, whether you travel the world or you just in your own neighborhood, look for it, do it, mm-hmm. you know, kind of look outside of yourself and find and find that. And so I'm, I'm really thrilled for you. I'm so Thank glad you. that you're here. I'm so glad that we could have this chat because I don't think yeah. we've really had in 28 years <laughs> just really sat down and chatted. So I think, um, you know, that's it's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. And I completely agree. And I would say the last thing would be to just have that courage to shine. Yeah. Just allow all of your upbringing, all of your experiences, good or bad, yeah. right? They have made you who you are today. And allow that to shine. Share your story. Yeah even with one person, because it's worth hearing. All right. Thanks, Mae Freeman, and we'll see you next year. Yes. (laughs) Okay, thanks. (laughs) So what did you think of our story this week? Let me know in the comments below or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find all our past episodes online at faithstrongtoday.com slash your story. 